Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell to Bell, this time without Bobby Blaze. He is on special assignment. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and joining us now, Sean Sparks. What's happening, Sean? How's it going there, Professor? Ah, it's going okay. It's going okay. Uh, Bobby is actually taking some students over to a WWE show tonight. Excellent. Heard yeah. you guys talking about that on the last episode. Glad that worked out for them. Yeah, so I uh, hope they're having a great time over there and, uh, you know, all that. Uh, Sean, so let's uh, let's give people your credentials real quick here. You are a longtime listener of the show, probably one of our first listeners, uh, but you are also a podcast host and wrestling aficionado, especially when it comes to your regionality. Give us a quick background. Okay, well, I live in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. And I, along with Half Pint Marlon Mealer, host the NWA cast on the Booking the Territory Network. Uh, we are available on the Patreon feed, which you can sign up for at patreon.com slash booking the territory. And over the course of BTT's existence, Mike and I, Mike Mills, the host, kind of got to be friends and he had me on to do a couple of live streams and such and when he decided he wanted to go ahead and do an nwa show he came to me and i said sure i'll do it and so i recruited half pint and now we do a show we don't have a regular schedule we basically do an episode when we feel like we have enough to talk about sure uh, ends up running about one per month or so we usually we'll hit the drop one prior to and after a pay-per-view but if we have breaking news or something we'll do a little pop-up episode and so yeah i'm one of the founding members of the jv goon squad at booking the territory oh fantastic all right um well that's good that's a good thing because i do want to talk about the nwa today so we got the right guest host Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I do appreciate you having me on. Well, thank you for nice doing it. Yeah, I appreciate you know, appreciate when you guys can fill in or, you know, come on. Um, Bobby thought we were going to try to do the rest of the uh, British episode. I'm like, no, no, you're not getting out of that one. That was your idea. <laughs> you're coming back for that. Um, yeah, I was I was hoping I wasn't going to be doing the second half of that because British wrestling is not my wheelhouse by any means. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's kind of what I was. I know some of the big names and I know the guys who came to America outside yeah, of that. The, the guy who I was most familiar with was your number 10. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be any good for you after that. <laughs> um, well, you know, real quick here. <laughs> this is so weird to do on a wrestling show, but we have to break some bad news about a non wrestler. Oh. Yeah, I know yes. this, this sucks. This pisses me off. I woke up Friday morning. To the story that Meatloaf had passed away, and I, I was almost quite literally crushed by this news. My wife found out before I did, and she didn't want to be the one to tell me. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that sucks. Me and my parents hid uh, Elvis Presley and uh, Bruce Lee's death from me until I was like ten. Oh wow! So yeah, I, I get how. Well, there wasn't an internet back then; you could do that kind of stuff, you know. Right. Um. Yeah, so, you know, I'm a big fan. I have had Bad Out of Hell, the original album, in just about every media format you can assume. My parents had it on 8-track when I was a kid, so I had it on 8-track at one point. I've had it on vinyl. I've had it a couple of times on cassette, a couple of times on CD, and obviously now digitally. Um, But, you know, what's funny is I don't really care that much about, like, Bad Out of Hell 2. Really? Yeah. it's. I mean, it's a good album. It's fine. Jim Steinman still wrote it. But I just don't feel like it matches 
just I don't know. There's something about that first album that I feel is hard to yeah. Hard well, to get I close think to. well, the thing about it, "Bad Out of Hell" was written kind of and assembled as a concept story album, mm-hmm. whereas "Bad Out of the Hell 2 had some stuff that they were planning on putting on albums earlier. You know, when they right. said, "Okay, we'll do a sequel," but then there was some, a lot of other stuff that was written kind of here and there. You know, kind of more scattered about. Sure. So it ended up kind of being more of a compilation of a lot of different things that Steinman had done in the meantime. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Battle of Hell 2 was actually somewhat my introduction to Meatloaf. My, my, my first experience with Meatloaf is I was in high school. I'm hanging out at my buddy's house. lived down the street from me. And his dad was a musician. He had a nice little studio in a shed in his backyard and everything. And one afternoon we were hanging out. We decided we're going to go through his dad's record collection and make us a little mixtape just to play while we're hanging out playing basketball in the backyard, whatever. And we come across, I think it was either Paradise by the Dashboard Light or it may have been Two Out of Three Ain't Bad, I forget. But it was on a 45 Mm -hmm. on vinyl. And we see this cat's name on here is Meatloaf. Like, this guy's name is Meatloaf. Mm-hmm. This is the coolest fucking thing we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that was kind of the end of it. I don't even know if we played the record or not. But then when Bad Out of the Hell 2 came out, I'm in college, and I still remember the first time I saw the video and heard the song, Anything for Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's middle of the night. Me and my roommate are both doing an all-nighter. I can't remember if it was like finals week or what, but it, either way, we're both up real late doing schoolwork, and this video comes on, and they're like, Oh my. It's like this is so different and weird and glorious. Yeah. Well see that Jim Simon, he 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 would do this thing and be like, Hey, if Wagner had access to electric guitars, what would he have written? Right. (laughs) I mean, just everything was so epic. And I think it was so different from everything else. Because I mean it's early Mm nineties. You know, it's grudge, you got hair metal on its last legs, you got hip hop, and then Boom, this thing comes onto the scene. And like I said, it was just so different and so weird and so glorious. It was, it was like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing in the world. And me being the geek that I am about everything, you know, I buy the album and I'm getting into it and I'm reading about it and going back and catching up and I find out about Bad Out of Hell 1 and we get that. And I mean, just from there on out, I'm this huge Meatloaf fan. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard the live version of bat out of hell done with the australian uh orchestra no oh my god it's awesome you got to look into that okay i'll have to check that out that that would be yeah they cool. they performed the entire album live with a full orchestra backing oh that must that must be over the top oh yeah that's wild um i did see I, back in the early 2000s um before american idol quite jumped the shark he performed with that Catherine mcphee and that was actually pretty good. Um, I can't, what was the song? It's all coming back to me now. Yeah. And that was actually really good. But what was the, one of the funniest things that I had ever experienced with somebody who had met Meatloaf, uh, there was an actress I had interviewed once for Geekish Cast. Mm-hmm. And she had been in like a Lifetime movie or something where, or some series or something where Meatloaf was the villain. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking, it came out that Meatloaf weighed about 190 pounds when they did it. And I was like, so he's like, oh, what, wow. a, a vegetarian Meatloaf now? Because, <laughs> you know, the last couple decades there, he like dropped a whole bunch of weight. Right. And yeah. 
So, and I cannot remember the name of that program or movie that you're talking about, but I distinctly remember him playing a villain role in something. So I'm oh yeah, I, I'm in the ballpark of what you're talking about, but I just can't remember the. Yeah, he's actually called. played a villain in a few things. He was in one, okay. one stupid like Yeti or Bigfoot movie, like little kid movie. <laughs> oh wow. Um, you know what I always thought was amazing about him was, you know, it's like. Hey, Meatloaf, do you want to do this project? Uh, you know what, guys? I'm going to go do this uh, this gay musical movie with Tim Curry. Uh, so, <laughs> no, you, you you do whatever you're doing over there. I'll, I'll, I'll be back later. I always thought, like, his choice of stuff he did was just, like, avant-garde and cool and over the top. And, of course, as you learn more about it, guys like him and Jim Steinman, the mm-hmm. more those oddball choices, like, seem to make sense. Right. Yeah. And I will die on this musical hill. The best version of All Coming Back to Me down Now mm-hmm. is the original one by Pandora's Box on the original Sin album. You know, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it because I don't know when the last time I would have heard it was. Yeah, basically, Jim Steinman had all this music that he mm-hmm. wanted to make an album out of. And for whatever, I don't know if I th- want to say Meatloaf was supposed to be the one who was going to record it. But well, they there just was couldn't a, get together. There was a number of things they were supposed to record and Meatloaf suddenly couldn't see anymore. Yeah, and it might have been during that period. So Steinman just throws together this group real quick to perform his songs. And the name of it was Pandora's Box, was the name of the group, and the album was Original Sin. And there's actually uh, one or two songs on that that ended up on Bad Out of Hell 2. Hmm, I'm going to have to but check the that version, out. But the version of All Coming Back to Me Now on that album is the best one out of the many that I've heard. Because, of course, Celine Dion did the version back in the late 90s and then meatloaf did it again on a later album i think mm-hmm. it was that three actually that he did it oh i'd be interested in that because i don't i don't i was under the impression that no jim steinman songs were on bad out of l3 there's so. one or two okay he i don't think he was involved in the production but i'm pretty sure there's at least a couple of songs of his that were on there yeah that's kind of wild uh, so yeah, we lose Meatloaf. What would be yep, a year? R- a R- year? R- yeah, a year since Jim Steinman passed away, or thereabouts. Yeah, I don't even think it was a year. Yeah, I don't think it was quite a year. But you know that 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 ruins like a whole chunk of my childhood right there. You know, mm-hmm. and once Alice Cooper dies, I'll just be like completely cut off from my entire past. Yeah, I mean that's the. It, it was hit me. I um was scrolling through the streaming channels a couple of nights ago and night court is now on imdb tv really yes I, that was wonderful to see i mean huge night court fan yeah as you know but it's like this show that i used to watch and i love so much it's like three quarters of the cast has now passed away yeah you know, I've reached that stage of life. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and, it, and Night Court's not that old of a show. I mean, no. you know, when you look at, like, the fact that William Shatner's 115 and still going to outer space. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of people died. Well, fairly young. I guess, you know, Marky Post was 72 or 3 when she passed away. So maybe not as young as I'm thinking. But, yeah, it sure seems like a lot of them passed away awfully early. Yeah. Yeah, you realize, oh, that person can't be that old. And you realize, oh, wait, well, no, it's the fact that I'm that old. Now. Well, I was going to say, you know, <laughs> 50, 50 is so much younger now than it used to be. Right. <laughs> you know. That's true. It, very Thank much goodness. so. Well, let's do this real quick, uh, guys. Um, I'm going to do a bad job of pitching Bobby's books here, but. 
If you have not bought them or you know a wrestling fan who does not have them, go over to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1 for pin me, pay me, or go over to tinyurl.com slash blazebook2 for I kicked out on two, the education of a wrestler. Bobby has a lot of great stories from the time in his life when he was uh, getting into and running around as a pro wrestler. These books have a lot of the stories. Definitely worth checking out. And the show gets a little bit of a kickback when you buy them. But I'm talking like 12 cents a book. So, you know, buy multiple copies, I guess, is what I'm getting at. There you go. Yeah. And, yeah, of course, I've read both of these books, and they're both excellent. Uh, Pin Me, Pay Me is kind of more of the Bobby Blaze story. Yeah. It's kind of the autobiography that leads you through the steps of his body, where he was in his career, whereas I kicked out on two is more just anecdotal stories on the road. And they're both really good. So, I mean, uh, if you're a person who is into wrestling books, you can't go wrong with either one of those. No, you really can't. He's, he's a fun storyteller. Yeah. And that's, that's how he and I got to be friends. <laughs> it was <laughs> like, I interviewed him once. I was like, that, that guy's a lot of fun. And we ended up talking on the phone like three weeks later for like two <laughs> hours. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a great guy to talk to. And he, you know, he writes kind of like he speaks. Exactly. So, yeah. And that was something I was going to get into, you know, it's as a writer, that is one of Bobby's biggest strengths is just he's so conversational in his mm -hmm. writing and it just flows so well. And I tell people all the time, even if you're not a wrestling fan, which of course if you're listening to this podcast, you are, but if you have right. somebody, you know, who likes books and they're still not a wrestling fan, pin me, pay me is so full of just life advice. Cause when you look at the things Bobby did to get to where he was from being a wrestling fan, you know, as a school as a school oh. child. Yeah, he jumped through he, a lot of hoops. And then he ends up, you know, on some of the biggest stages out there, traveling the world, doing what he loved. You look at the things he did right along the way. And it's a very good template to get to where you want to get in any given profession. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, that is a nice way of, of summarizing that. Actually, I, I appreciate you. Uh, you doing that that was yeah quite no succinct um i came across a story that i thought was kind of interesting i don't know if you've heard that the current roh interim champion is going to be starting his own promotion did it, not oh well it's, they're calling it terminus wrestling and it's actually if you get a chance go google the rules they're going to use because it's very much like the roh pure rules like basically mm -hmm. fuck around you get thrown out kind of stuff you know um, but they're not going to be signing talent. They're going to use people who are under contract elsewhere who can come in. And hmm. I think NWA is doing a bit of that now. And I've been hopeful to see more people open up and go non-contract because I think it's really cool when you see guys show up on other shows with titles from different organizations. What are your, what are your feelings on that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot more of that just overall in the wrestling business because you know people sign with these major companies obviously for the paycheck mm -hmm. and then you know you're in this contract for x number of years and if things change and you're no longer happy there now you're stuck in this contract oh yeah and you write it out and you cash your checks or you ask for your release or whatever but there's enough going on now in the wrestling universe 
that it's almost like guys can go back to the way it was 20 years ago when you just go to a territory, make your money. When you kind of run out of things to do, you go somewhere else. Yeah. And I think with all the different companies that are out there now, it's almost getting to the point, if it hasn't already, that people can go back to doing that. You know, and you um, can basically just pick your spots and still make a living. Yeah. And it's great. Uh, Johnny, John Morrison, mm-hmm. uh, he'd figured out a way to make, make a living when not working for the WWE, when they were basically the only game in town for 27 right. years. Right. Um, Cody Rhodes kind of did the same thing for a little while there. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, guys like the Young Bucks, they had figured out, I mean, there was a lot of Japan and other stuff, but I mean, still, they, they'd figured out how to make money and not work for Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Which I think might be good because I don't I don't think he's going to be in the wrestling business much longer. But right. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that they're going to be looking to sell sooner rather than later. Right. If you've been through an acquisition in a company, this is what they look like. Right. Yeah. You know, you kind of square your tables up and you can you cut off all the dead weight you can. You become as profitable looking as you can possibly look. And then one day you come in and tell your employees that, oh, hey, we got bought by somebody. I'll see you all around. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I am of the belief in uh, Half Pint, and I actually talked about this in our last show. I think NXT is going to be out of existence before too long. I mean, you look at the way they've been cleaning house in there. It almost looks like they're running a skeleton crew just to write out the rest of their media contract obligations. And uh, as soon as they can, they're just going to go ahead and ax it. And yeah. when you look at, and when you look at the stories out there of how much money they've spent on it versus how much it has made, it's a pretty wise financial move. If you're looking to sell, um, you know, yeah. I mean, besides, besides, um, the Steiner kid, what, I mean, there's a lot of talent there. I'm not saying they're not, but, but who's a possible big star that they're, running anything with over there right now and they've always mishandled nxt or the talent side of nxt they've always horribly mishandled it and then my other thing is doesn't it feel like there's a de-hunterization of nxt going on like all all your hires are gone buddy everybody you wanted in here shit can yeah now the question there is that is that happenstance or is that by design and if it is by design, who's the one behind it? Right. Because Half Pint has a theory that all of Hunter's guys are being cleared out because Hunter is planning on taking the money and running as soon as they sell, and then he's going to start his own promotion. And since all of his guys have been released, he can bring the band back together and just have his own promotion with his guys and run it his way. Yeah, but, I mean, don't you think we're going to see... Um uh, William Regal get contacted by AEW, and there's a lot of those guys. They're not going to just leave hanging out there. Of course, <clears throat> if somebody doesn't snap William Regal up like right away, somebody's fucking up, sleeping on. Oh, no job. doubt. Yeah, no doubt. But if he is in on it, then he knows exactly if he's going to sign on with somebody. Okay, what are my terms going to be? Where is my exit? Yeah. Well, you know what's I mean? if if that was the case. There's an argument to be made that you could approach um, Sinclair Media and say, hey, I understand you guys aren't doing so well. I would like to take either the controlling percentage of or some giant chunk of ROH off your hands. Exactly. Yeah. 
And then he'll have what he was shooting for in the first place because NXT was basically his ROH. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I want to go back to something else that you said earlier. Yeah. With these guys being essentially, you know, free agents, Mm -hmm. you know, hopping from company to company. When you said you see guys showing up with other titles from other places and how cool that is. And I completely agree with that. And in the brief run of TNA, when it became Global Force Mm -hmm. for those handful of months, if that it was, and when you had Jerry Jarrett and Dutch Mantell basically booking TNA, and they were going out and finding all these top guys at all these little smaller promotions around. I mean, they had crossover deals with like 20-something companies around the world at some point. And if you are familiar with or read up or heard him talk about it, when Jarrett was first putting together Global Force, that's kind of what he had in mind. It's like, I want to have just a big tent to bring in all these people from all these other different places and almost like making an all-star show. Sure. And this is going to be the place that they can all come together and compete against each other. So that was kind of his vision from the start. But during that window, when they had control of TNA, and it was everybody walking through the tunnel has got this belt over their shoulder from somewhere else. And some of the belts are rather unattractive looking and cheap and whatnot. But that's beside the point. That's just me being a belt nerd. But these guys walk out with these titles, and it's just, it's a great look. Oh, I I, I like that. I mean, it's it's a terrific thing. I think it looks cool when you have multiple belts, too, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the thing. These guys would come on TNA with the belt from their local promotion, and then they would win one of the, I keep saying these TNA was Impact by then. It was actually Global Force. Slash it's, well, it's hard then. to keep track of, really. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, it was, the na- it was Global Force Wrestling, and the name of the show was Impact at that point. But yeah. anyway, so these guys would come in from the local promotion with these belts, and they would win the Impact Global Force title. And then they start walking out with both of them. Because mm-hmm. you know, they were still the champion of their hometown promotion. And I mean, I mean, like I said, it's a very good visual. You see people walking out like that. I mean, oh, yeah. It looks def- it looks legit. And, you know, like I've talked to Bobby about before, in, in pro boxing, you're really the world champion when you have three world titles. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, I get that guys don't carry all three necessarily every time they approach the ring, but... It, it's a lot more legit looking when you got a guy like he is the champion of X, Y, and Z, you know, right. Uh, even my, my dear friend, Jock Sampson runs around with three to five belts at any given time, you know, and I don't want to legitimize his wrestling career, but it, it does look good. <laughs> yeah. Does he legitimately own the FDR one now or? Well, so he's got a match coming up with uh, Brock's Boulder, um, and Brock, if he wins, he's going to drop his uh, Art of Grappling title, which was like their new class championship, uh-huh. and he'll take the FTR title if he can beat Jock. Now, that's that's a whole different set of questions, because, you know, I know, look, here's the thing. Jock starts falling behind. He's going to jam his thumb in this kid's eye. It's, I mean, you know. So I, we just I need we just need to get Casey King well so he can go back and reclaim what's rightfully his. Well, yeah, that would be that would probably be best. But yeah, I mean, at this time, he's got the belt. Nobody can get it off of him. And uh, possession's nine tenths of the law. Yep, exactly. You know, so I, you know, as far as I understand, it, that makes you champion. 
You know, um, yeah. So I, I can kind of see a definite advantage to using a non-contract system, which honestly was something I was hoping we would start seeing more of, anyways. Right. Because wrestling, look, I mean, wrestling was a lot cooler back in the day when you might see, you know, Freebird show up on AWA and in Texas all within three months of each other. You know. Mm-hmm. And the WWE has been hoarding talent for twenty. Five or twenty-one years now, right? Where they've just been. It'll be it'll be twenty-two this spring, actually. Yeah, it'll they've just been buying it and setting people aside. Oh, well, no, it'll be twenty-one this spring. Yeah, it'll be twenty-one this year. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at the date instead of the year for some reason. Yeah. So but, and to, and to that end, mm-hmm. I mean, to the guys who want to sign an exclusive contract with a major company like WWE, if they have all these other options. They can get their pot sweetened. Oh, absolutely. It's like, but, hey, if you're asking me to leave behind all this, you got to make it worth my while. Yeah. No, this this is very true. It gives you some bargaining ability mm-hmm. that you know you may not have had otherwise. Um, also, I think there is going to be I look at you know there's stuff like GCW. So you got a place for garbage wrestling to go. Uh, NWA for guys like us who like that little more smash mouth, old, old school feel, you know, there's a place for them to go. There's a lot more options. Now I realize that these were there. It's just nobody talked about them for 20 years. Mm -hmm. You know, Dave Marquez, he's cooking something. I'm not sure what it is, but he's up to something over there too. Oh yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. And this guy's been producing tons of wrestling television for the last 20 years or 15 years, you know? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this and I'm interested in this terminus wrestling because being a technical wrestling fan, I like those little bit stricter rules. It's also easier to make somebody heal when you have rules to be broken. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm mean, overall, what do you think? I mean, you know, is that a company with stricter rules like that? Is that something you'd be interested in? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I would actually have to see it first, but most likely. Yeah, I mean, it, just, it, would, it would depend on the presentation. Oh, well. Whether, whether or not they try to stay within themselves or they try to do things that they think need to be done simply because that's what the big guys do and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the great things about the NWA. The NWA, Billy Corgan's like, look, this is the way we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But we're not going to try to be different than what I envision this should be just to say that we're doing it that oh, way. Oh, yeah. No, I love the fact that he's just gone like, guys, we're a studio wrestling show. We do studio wrestling the way it was done for 30 years. So just, you know, get over your ideas of other shit. This is right. what we're doing. Um, well, you know, let's go ahead and we'll transition over to this now. Um I didn't know how we were going to do this because I wasn't really sure what direction we were going to take the show this week. Bobby and I had a plan of sorts, and then he thought it was one thing we had agreed to, and I thought it was something else. Sean was, uh, you know, fortunately was able to step in and help me out here, but we did kind of have to ad hoc a show together. And one of the things I wanted to talk about is just what the NWA has going for it these days. Um, so Sean, since you host a show on it, I'm going to let you kind of preface this and start off the conversation. Okay. Well, one of the biggest things the NWA has going for it is 
they've largely been taking their time with things. You know, to kind of go along with the old school studio feel of it. They're also pretty good on a lot of slower burn feuds mm-hmm. and a little bit of foreshadowing. You know, that's kind of it's almost like a game at this point when something happens. It's like, oh, are they setting up something from down the road? You know, you start looking at it through that lens. So, I mean, again, they're just staying within themselves and doing what they think they're good at. And for the most part, it works. I have to say that Half Bite and I were both rather disappointed in the last pay-per-view for numerous reasons. How It just seemed like things were kind of out of sync for them. But, I mean, it still had its good points. Right. And people who have not seen him in the NWA like to poo-poo it and say, yeah, you're, you're crazy, you don't know what you're talking about. But Trevor Murdoch, as NWA champion, has been phenomenal. I have been a fan since day two of Fred, Trevor Murdoch in the NWA. Mm-hmm. I he, mean, from the build-up to the story they told, to getting him the title shot, to him winning the title at NWA 73. That entire arc was just beautiful and intriguing, and it really drew you in. And if you followed the story and watched 73 and didn't jump off your couch when he won that title, then you have no pulse. Yeah. Well, uh, 73 was the first pay-per-view of any kind I'd gotten in forever. And that was a spur of the moment. Literally, it had been on, it had been running for about five minutes when I decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and buy it. <laughs> and when I was tweeting back and forth with a couple people, and I was just like, uh, I was thinking like this would be, you know, Trevor Murdoch was going to get it tonight, but now you know they got the Union Jack on the belt and all this stuff. And then when he comes out wearing the Harley Race jacket, I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but I mean, as champion, he's been great because he is such an embodiment of what the NWA is trying to be. Mm-hmm. You know, just old school, hard nose, in your face. He cut a promo last week on Power that I think you saw. I had actually uh, ripped the video and tweeted it. I'm like, well, is, is, January, is January 18th too early to call promo of the year? What is so funny about that is I had just paused. Oh, so I see your tweet. I pause Power. I watch that video. I turn Power back on, and it's it, it's going right into that piece. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, there it is. Yeah. What do you know? That was a great promo. And I'll tell you what, I was a little worried at the start of his thing because they were leaving him. Somebody knocked him out and leave him laying at the end of every show there for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I got real, I got real disturbed by the fact that they were pushing something with him and Jax Dane. And as he's trying to back Jax Dane out, he was visibly out of wind. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, girl, oh, that is, I mean, whatever is going on, they need to not show that. Because Jax Dane looks like he could kill a motherfucker who couldn't breathe. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And so if you're going to put him against Jax Dane, you cannot have him sucking air that hard. You're going to have to be real careful about what you do. Because <laughs> if he looks weak even for a second, it's just going to be unbelievable. Yeah. And I got to say, you know, I've got people who I know who were way more in touch with the indie scene of the past 10, 15 years 
but I've got to get back and find some resources, get on YouTube, whatever. I got to see Jack Stain at his peak. Jack's if he's bring, if he's bringing what he's bringing now, have I you need ever, to see what he was like ten years ago? Yeah, have you ever heard the term "bad motherfucker"? Of course. Yeah, if you look that up in the dictionary, there's a good chance to be a picture of Jack Stain looking at you. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, Jack, yeah, Jack Stane had his shit together. I've seen him and Tim Storm, and Tim Storm's one of those guys. I wish I could have seen him 20, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, I saw him in 2014 and didn't know he, who he was at the time. Because mm-hmm. and, honestly, and honestly had forgotten about it until I pulled the DVD out of the event out, and I'm like, oh, wait, that's Tim Storm. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen him, like, not not at the beginning of his career, but kind of that midpoint when you're about yeah. 30, 35 and you know what you're doing kind of thing, right. you know? Yeah, that's I would like to have seen more of that. Because Tim Storm looks like the kind of guy who beats some ass, too, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, going back to the NWA. Yes. Uh, their women's division mm-hmm. is incredible. And the roster is not that deep. Well, I mean, just numbers-wise, it's not right. huge. But, I mean, the people they have on there are very good. And Camille, people were a little nervous about letting Camille speak. You know, because when she came out, she was just a silent enforcer. Right. And people who dug deep enough and actually saw interviews of her when she was playing softball. And she was just the most country-sounding, sweetest thing you'd ever want to hear. You know, it's like, if your girlfriend talked that way, it'd be adorable. But you're going to be a major hero. If you're going to be a major hero on a wrestling program, then probably not so much. And so people were kind of concerned that, you know, she might not be able to swing it on the mic. But she has been really, really good. Well, the things she has said and how she's saying it, her presence in front of the camera. I mean, it's really, it's been a home run for them putting the belt on her. I, I imagine during that time where they had her playing silent, they probably were getting her some media. Not, I don't know if you call it media coaching in this situation. They probably have somebody working with her, though. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. To, no doubt. You know, hey, we got to we gotta tighten this act up a little bit here. But yeah, she's been really good. Uh, of course, Melina, <laughs> don't really need to say a whole lot more about her. And right now... The hottest star on the roster. And this is one I keep telling people we just need to enjoy her while we still have her. Yeah. Natalia Marco. She's going to get snatched up by somebody. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. She is just so good. She, again, she's one that just, she has this presence. Now, she's a very attractive woman. I hadn't noticed. I mean, really. (laughs) We haven't talked about this before at all. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, great. She. (laughs) <laughs> who's who's noticed her body not, but, not me i mean obviously very attractive woman mm-hmm. so i mean she's got that going for her but there's a lot of attractive women on tv right but she has a additional presence on top of that when she just steps in front of the camera and looks into it you're just you're taken in and it's not just hey this woman's fine as hell it's i mean she's got a presence that she just kind of takes over the scene and she's also very good in the ring. Yeah. And she's been And she's been at it for a while. I mean, this isn't somebody who just decided on a lark, hey, I want to be a pro wrestler. I mean, no, she's, she's traveled been, the world as a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I mean, when Bobby Blaze is big on your in-ring 
Mm -hmm. uh, abilities. That's saying a lot. I agree. And Bobby told me about her months ago. He saw her at some show they were at. Right. And he was like, hey, this this girl's going to be on top of shit right here. Mm -hmm. She is definitely somebody to keep your eye on. Yeah. Now, one of the things, this is one of the spots that the NWA can be helped out by being open to people who aren't under contract. Because, yeah, they've got, well, look, Mickey James is there, and she's the Impact Women's Champion right now. Right. Um, this would give them, as long as wherever they're signed, access to people to come in to goose the uh, women's, you know, I, uh, division a little bit. Because losing Thunder Rosa was a major blow to their women's oh, division. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Um, but you know, if they could get say Thunder Rosa, Serena Deeb, who I slept on her, <laughs> I, mm -hmm. I did not realize what an in-ring badass she was. Right. She is incredible in the ring. And that match where she lost to Camille, that was wild as shit. Cause they, they let her play an underdog who could still, if I get a hold of your arm or your leg, you're fucked up. Right. And that was, that was really cool. Um, so hopefully the NWA can keep their in their talent they have right now, but occasionally get somebody like the Thunder Rosa or somebody back in there, mm -hmm. and that will give it, I think, the the credibility that it would really just look amazing. Right, and then you got the Junior Heavyweight Tournament going on right now, mm -hmm. and I mean a lot of people were saying you know they don't really need another belt for the size of the roster that they have. But at that time, when they announced they were bringing the belt back, they had not yet announced that they're also going to have this additional half-hour show every week. Right. And so that worked out pretty well. They can kind of feature the tournament on there, and that can kind of, uh, USA can kind of be the home of the junior weight division, so to speak. Well, so I'll be interested in seeing where this goes. I kind of want to, you know, hear, hear your opinion on this or see if you think it's doing the same thing I do. The that that show there, the was it NWA USA. Yes, that's going to feature the national title. Yeah. So I imagine that means the TV title and the world title will not be defended or contested on that show. Yeah, not regularly, at least. Yeah. So it's just going to be the national title, and I'm guessing the uh, the the junior heavyweight. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think they can hold that many titles as long as you segregate the talent? Also, I do notice that with NWA USA, it looks like they're bringing in other people to kind of fill the roster out, too. Yes. Yeah. And you kind of saw they were is easing into that the last few episodes of Power. Mm -hmm. They were bringing kind of bringing these guys in. And then when USA started, they kind of split them off. And you got some pretty good fellas in there. Uh, I love Jordan Clearwater. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, Stanley, Jamie Stanley, they're really good. I mean, some people might think their gimmicks are a little cheesy and hokey, but yeah, they're old they're, school gimmicks. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're very good old school gimmicks where they're basically just the smug assholes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they play them really well. And so, I mean, I just enjoy seeing them. And, you know, a few other guys like that. Uh, you got the Hawks. They are they are really good. Now I don't know where where they were at before all this, but as a as they a team, were mm -hmm. they were in their promotion. Oh, okay. Which is Wildcat out of New Orleans. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I mean I got a little bit of familiarity with them. Uh Luke and Mike Mills are actually pretty tight. They've known each other for a long time. Okay. 
And but yeah, I've been to a couple of Wildcat shows, or probably at least three at this point over the last few years. But well, yeah, I, I've um, definitely I definitely heard the name. It, yeah, obviously in conjunction with booking the territory because yeah, you know that's where they're at. Yeah, so Luke is the promoter of that territory there in New Orleans, and his son is part of it. Uh, PJ kind of broke onto the scene when he did the stunt when they were doing the mall show when he jumped off the second story of the mall into well, the ring did that high spot that went viral well yeah, you know it is it is the time that it is you know i mean yeah and i mean hey i don't blame anybody for doing something that gets attention yeah but as long especially as you in a, especially in a business like that as long as you don't kill yourself or somebody else yeah and honestly if you looked at the tape i mean somebody says Generally, people like you and I, somebody tells you, yeah, this goofball jumped off the second floor of a shopping mall. And then you roll in your eyes. But if you actually watch the film of it that was making the rounds, they actually did a really good job of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't your typical suicide dive where everybody's just kind of standing in the ring watching the guy climb up. Like, gee, what do you think he might be doing? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. He might be thinking about jumping on us. Oh, do you think? I don't know. And then, well, well, let's let's make sure we all stand shoulder to shoulder with our arms slightly yeah, raised. Exactly. But no, they did it really well where he's kind of the other three guys are occupied beating each other up and he kind of just sneaks off and climbs up there and they don't realize he's up there until right before he jumps. It was really well done. I have to say, you know, yeah, I mean, Pete PJ is another star waiting to happen. I mean, he's just, he's got a good look. He's got a good uh, personality that comes across the TV. So, I mean, he's another one to definitely keep your eyes on. Yeah, he he's a guy. I mean, he's got great wrestling uh, fundamentals. Yeah, well, he is a multiple-time amateur wrestling state champion in well, high school. You know what? You remember, remember when all great pro wrestlers were actual wrestlers? You remember <laughs> <Right>. that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but no, you watch those guys in the rain. They're really quite good. And I, like I said, I didn't know where they were from, so I was kind of interested in that. So I'm glad you mm-hmm. kind of you had that piece there for me. Um, I did like this thing where they put the father and son against each other in the rain. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, and Luke swears that that was legit. They did a drawing, and that's how it played out um take I, take that for what you will well, you know <laughs> look i don't i don't let ever ask a magician how the trick is done <laughs> right you know i would have liked to have seen somebody lose their temper and fucking jack jaw somebody with their elbow or something and then have to kind of cool shit down at the end of the match but maybe father and son's a little too close to do that yeah you know that may that, that may work for tag teams but maybe not in this case you know <laughs> that yeah they were they were really good to watch um let me see who else was on there that I there was a couple people that I that really caught my eye, um, but now of course I'm blanking out, so I'm gonna let you take over again. <laughs> okay, uh, the tag teams yes are heating up. Yes, you know there there was a little while, kind of as they wound down their last pay per view cycle, the tag teams were kind of splitting off and diverging and drying up and you know it was a discussion that half pint actually had on our show it's like you know the tag team division's kind of starting to slack off but they brought in a new crop of guys now including the hawks airy um clearwater and um shoot i can't remember who you partnered with uh rocket but, um yeah yeah i can't yeah, yeah marche rocket yeah, yeah marche rocket there you. we go thank yeah. you yeah and you got the um, 
uh, La Rebellion, who's the current tag team champions. I do like, I do like that. Yeah, I do like that these companies are like going, well, hey, you know, what can we do to make a tag team look legit? Let's get somebody from Mexico because they never quit doing tag team wrestling in Mexico. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they're really good. And obviously they get, I mean, they got the belts, but they're a lot of fun to watch. And And if you watch them, I mean, they're triple A guys, they're luchadors. Mm hmm. But, they're not, I mean, at least not in the NWA. I mean, they're not just uh, really high pace, flipping around, you know, stunting type luchadors. I mean, they will actually get in there and start brawling. And I mean, they're really talented guys. They're very versatile. So you got them. They've got the champ- the championships right now. You still have um, Aaron Stevens and Kratos teamed up. Can can I can I get you to pause right there? Yes. I I didn't know Aaron Stevens like I guess he was Damian Sandow in WWE. I never. I'm right there, right? That was him. Um, I never saw him in anything before the NWA. And I know people a lot of times don't care for that kind of ham-fisted uh, comedy character. I fucking love this guy. I think he's hilarious. That type of a gimmick is something that if you can pull it off, it's gold. Yeah. But not everybody can pull it off. He, and he can in spades. Yeah, he, he cracks me up. I loved him with the question mark, you know, uh, he's going to be sorely missed or is already. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever saw it. There was a night me and Question Mark were tweeting back and forth, and I acted like it was a conversation, and he just kept tweeting rows of Question Marks. <laughs> I think I saw parts of that. I'll have to go back and see. Yeah, where I was I was responding like he was actually saying things, and it went on for like a good hour and a half, you know? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, but I thought Aaron Stevens, when he was with him, I thought, you know, I thought that was gold. I thought they were great. Um, yes, absolutely. With, with Kratos, I hadn't seen a whole lot before 73. And them doing their their fake bits at the beginning where it was like, oh, hey, you know, this is 1969 yeah. or what. That was funny. And I was like, that Kratos for such a sour faced dude is actually pretty fucking funny. Right. And those two together, you know, Aaron Stevens almost, almost a feat in the way he does that character. And then Kratos just looks like a fucking fire plug who's going to rip you in half. Mm -hmm. It is just so damn funny to me. I love it. I have to say that. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that if you can pull it off, it's gold. Yeah. But if you don't have the talent or the natural charisma to pull it off, then it looks just, it just looks goofy. I will give you that for sure. Um, okay, so we've got you got the women's division, you got Trevor Murdoch as champion, you got the tag team divisions, and I heard some chatter that Bill, uh, Billy Corgan's wanting to go to more six man matches. Yeah, they keep kind of hinting at that. Yeah, which is kind of weird that they're hinting at it but not doing it. Yeah, you know, May Valentine reporting the backstage rumors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hear I hear people talking about yeah yeah so I mean and some of that you know kind of the factions that you have together you know you got the um, church's money in Austin Idol Entertainment you know they've got three active wrestlers 
between Tyrus and Clearwater and Rocket now. And Tyrus was carrying around a six-man tag belt for some damn reason or another. Yeah, well, supposedly that was Idol's belt that he, um, well, uh, when Pope had the TV title, mm-hmm. he actually had a his own TV title that was on white leather. And then when Tyrus run it, supposedly the story was Austin Idol had his six-man title and melted it down and recasted it as Tyrus's new TV TV title. Okay. Yeah. That was the that's what their story they were telling on seventy at seventy three there. And who knows, maybe that was a long term foreshadowing there. Yeah, that's what I was just starting to wonder about because they got they've got a great team. Now see Jordan Clearwater, he wrestled in the um the Hollywood show here in California okay. several times. And so I was familiar with him. And then uh William Harding, the uh the sugar hole champ is familiar with him because I guess he's from somewhere near where William's at. Okay. So I was fairly familiar with him. Now, he was pushed as a face in California. Hmm. I like him much better as a heel than I do a face. Yeah, I have a hard time imagining him Yeah. A face because he's so good as the heel. Yeah, like I said, he, just the smug prick, you know. He's just really good at it. And that stupid ass haircut. <laughs> um the neon yeah. yellow jacket. Yeah, I he he's pretty good. Yeah, so do you think they're going to get a six-man title? Do you think that's where they're headed? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if maybe that's just something they got kind of on the back burner that, you know, if the opportunity presents, we'll run with it. But I, I don't know. I'd rather get the um, regular tags a little bit more established first. Yeah. Personally. But it's not my money, so who knows? Well, they'll, they'll do what they want, I guess. But um, <laughs> what do you think of uh, Ricky Morton's kid? He's good. That's- He's good. He, he's still got a little bit more work to do on the mic. Because, I mean, there's nothing wrong with his promos, but he's almost a little too regular carry. And he hadn't quite hit that switch to where you take yourself and turn it up to 11. Mm-hmm. That's your gimmick. He's still kind of hanging around seven or eight, which is fine for now. But, I mean, of course, he's really good in the ring. I mean, no surprise there. Uh, and he's going to be sympathetic, too. I mean, you you kind of see that, you know, he's definitely watched his dad. And, mm-hmm. and how to get the crowd behind you and so. Oh, yeah, you know. exactly. I mean, yeah. that, that's kind of what I'm saying about his promos. Right now, he's just a little bit too aw shucks. He hadn't really cranked it up yet. But I mean, he'll, he'll get there. He looks out. young. I don't know how old he actually is, but he looks really young. Yeah, I mean, he's still in college. Yeah. Okay, so he's, yeah, he, he could be 20 because that's what I was thinking looking at him. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's I I I like seeing. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd much rather see his kid wrestling than him these days. It just it hurts me to see people that age trying to <laughs> trying to re- No, look, I, I get it, you know, but god damn it, if somebody could fall, literally fall and break a hip, and that scares stuff like that just scares the hell out of me, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, you got to realize. I mean, he's not a normal person no. of that age. He's been doing this crap. Every Forever, night for the yeah. past 40 years. So, I mean, his, his body's built to take the load. Yeah, I just, you know, I mean, stuff like that but, frightens you know, me. As, as, as Mike always says, Father Time is undefeated, though. At some point, you got to hang it up. Yep. 
No. I'm not looking forward to that day by any means, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's getting close to 50 shit ain't for ain't for the weak of heart. That's for shit, for sure, you know. Mm-hmm. I think you're kind of feeling what I'm feeling in that department. Oh, all right. So overall, since its return from the COVID break, what are your feelings about the NWA? It's been a little hit or miss, but I mean, overall, I've enjoyed it. I think they're doing a good job. Again, they're staying within themselves. They're not trying to do a lot of stuff just for the sake of saying they're doing it. And Mm -hmm. matter of fact, I'm going to to that end. At the end of their last pay-per-view, after all these, shortly after all these WWE releases that happened and ROH had said they were going to be suspending operations for a few months. And Half Painted actually counted out the days. He's like, this next pay-per-view is going to be a few days after most of these guys' non-compete clauses are going to expire. And all leading up to the pay-per-view and even through it, you know, they're hinting, you know, you don't know who might turn up. You know, NWA is full of surprises. And so NWA fans are sitting in front of their TVs going, man, who's going to show up? This this could be good. And of course, me personally, I want the Briscoes in NWA so damn bad. I, I think, can feel it. I and you and, Bobby, are... you and Bobby talked about that just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I could not agree more. I mean, if there's anybody who is built to be in the NWA, it's the Briscoes. With their promo talent and their look and their demeanor, everything about them just says NWA. Yeah, and I feel like AEW is just not not a good long-term fit for them. <clears throat> well, I'll, I'll say this much. Mm-hmm. In 2018, I think it was. It was the last time WrestleMania was in New Orleans. And I went to the Super Quarter Violin that weekend. Mm-hmm. And that was when the Young Bucks were in Ring of Honor. So you had all the Omega, and actually I don't know if Omega was there yet, but there was a whole bunch of younger people who were these huge Young Bucks fans and kind of the people in their orbit. And you could tell that was who they showed up to see. You went to the uh, pre-show meet and greets. And I mean, the line for the Young Bucks was like around the concourse. And my buddy and I, we went over and talked to, um, uh, geez, oh, God, he's one of my favorite guys, the uh, Motor City Machine Guns, Chris Saban, and... Oh, I can never remember the other guy's name. Yeah, he's, he's fake Kincaid on Twitter. I can remember his Twitter handle. I can't remember his real name. I'm blanking out right now. Well, because, you know, every time I think of them, all I hear is Hail Saban, and that gets stuck in my head, and I can't remember yeah. the other guy. So anyway, we go over and talk to those two guys because I'm a big fan of both of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back when they were in, when it was TNA and they were doing the paparazzi gimmick. So we go over and talk to them and you could just see the look on their face, how dejected they were. It's like, we're sitting here and like, you're the first people to come over and talk to us in 10 minutes. Meanwhile, these other doofuses got people, you know, the line going around the block. I mean, I felt bad for him. I really did. But my point being, I'm going around the world across the street, as Bobby likes to say, at the show that night, the Briscoes had a match with somebody. And that Young Bucks crowd was basically falling asleep during their match. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, the people who were sitting behind me were just, God, I can't wait for this to be over. I mean, literally just voicing their displeasure at the match that they were having. And I'm sitting, of course, I'm watching. I'm thinking this is the highlight of the night. And these other people are just bored to tears. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they'll go to AEW and they'll have that match with FTR. Is it? Am I saying their name right? Yes. Yes, you yeah. are. And, you know, it'll pop. But I don't know how much staying power they'll have in AEW just in terms of fit. Well, I just, I, yeah, I just don't feel like they fit in. Um, first off, my my number one concern is you get that woke crowd. And look, the AEW fans, a lot of them are younger and they're a little more into this whole fucking right. hippy-dippy bullshit. And... Look, I don't. I won't even own like a Leonard Skinner T-shirt anymore because I just don't want anything with the Confederate flag on it, you know. Uh-huh. And I'm not the guy who's going to stand up and like you know burn down all the Confederate flag, blah, 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 you know. But the yeah. AEW kids might be. And right. you go back just a few years with the Briscoes, and everything is covered in the stars and bars, and which is odd for a pair of guys from Connecticut. Well, that's not all that odd. <laughs> It's, you know, it's, look, they're developing a character, you know, tons yeah. of wrestlers who are from the North. I think I just dropped, the, I think I just dropped the wrong state name anyway. Yeah, you probably right did. But I mean, <laughs> lots, lots of carpetbaggers out there is what I'm getting at, you know? Yeah. No, there's, uh, there's rednecks everywhere. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Look, there's a lot of guys, I mean, you know, a lot of guys here in California who used to fly the Confederate flag and like California was as far from the Civil War as you could get. <laughs> right. And, you know, even though like the idea would have been that it could have been a slave state, everybody over here in California was like, no, thank you. Stay out of here with that bullshit. Right. right. Um, you know, so it's, that's the thing I worry about. Now, I'm not saying that couldn't bite him on the ass in the N- NWA. Just ask Jim Cornette about accidental ass biting. But mm-hmm. I think they fit in a lot better. I think you get that them in that crowd. I don't think there's the potential for that coming back to bite them is there. Right. Also, I think the potential fans would go heavily towards those guys just because they're that, you know, that roughneck, toothless fucking hillbilly fighter kind of guy. Right. Who can talk shit like nobody's uh, business. All sorts of shit talk. And I think the NWA crowd would eat that up. Absolutely. So anyway, of course, we're hoping. Okay, mm-hmm. That would be our lottery win. We'd be for the Briscoes to show up at the end of this pay-per-view. Yes. And instead... We get Matt fucking Cordona, who was most recently seen in a hardcore match in GCW with Nick Gage, tweeting pictures of his hotel bed sheets that were full of blood the next morning. And we're just like, this is getting underwear for Christmas. All right. But, and this is a big but. It's been fantastic. Because somebody, whoever's behind the booking of this, knows that us NWA fans, that was going to be our reaction. Mm -hmm. And they have leaned into it. And so now the gimmick is Cordona's coming in to save the NWA with all of his newfangled ideas and modern mud show crap. Um, and so now you have this natural heel persona bubbling up and it's 
I mean, they're only about three weeks a month into it, but it's actually pretty damn good. So and I'm you're just waiting for somebody to just knock the grin off his smarmy little face. Yeah. So <laughs> say, go back to your outlaw mud show. I'm just kind of getting back into the NWA. Uh, you, well, uh, you know, they just they just cleared everything up. They're putting their shows back on YouTube. I guess it'll be second run a few days after they release. Mm-hmm. And your original four ninety nine a month for access to power and a few other things. Now that money is going to go, and you've got full access through Fight to everything the NWA is going to do for the year. Yeah, I mean, in that you show me a better deal. Anywhere. There isn't one. There isn't one. Then fifty bucks for everything the NWA puts out, pay per views included. Yeah, there's just not a better deal out there. I don't know what else they're going to do, but something tells me there'll be more than what they've announced already as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got that coming. So I kind of hadn't been so into the NWA, even after I paid for the, the shows. I just kind of wasn't watching them. Right. Yeah, I did the same thing with New Japan. I had a New Japan World subscription. Yeah. And before I had a child, I could keep up. Because you got to understand, on New Japan World, they don't have like a one-hour show. You know, basically, it's just streaming all of their house shows. Gotcha. So it was like everything they drop is you know, three hours long. Yeah. And you got to kind of pick and choose what you want to watch sometimes. And, of course, you get the pay-per-views and all that. But, hell, now Wrestle Kingdom's freaking two days long. Right. But it just got to the point after I had my child in 2016, I just didn't have time to watch it all. And I'm... Probably for a year, I kept paying that subscription. I wasn't watching anything. And finally, I came to my senses and said, I'm just wasting money here. Right. As much as I like it when I can see it, I just, I'm not watching it anymore. So why am I paying for this? So you were in the same boat when you first signed up to NWA. And- right. So now that it's hitting YouTube again, I'm, I'm kind of getting back in. Matter of fact, Friday night, while, while I was doing other stuff, but I let like four or five shows play. And it was a mix mm-hmm. of power in USA. And I was getting into it, you know, so I saw the Matt Cardona stuff and, and you're right. You want to just slap the, you, you want somebody to slap the shit out of him. And I, he's kind of got Xbox heat or not Xbox, Xbox heat as they used to call it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's enough to get you enough hatred to actually make it an interesting story. As long as there is a good payoff. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's when he shows up. You think it's going to, I mean, this is just going to be go away. He, mm-hmm. We're just, we're not going to be interested in this guy. He doesn't belong here. We're just going to want him to go away. But like I said, whoever's booking it had sense enough to realize that that was going to be the fan's thought process and reaction. And okay, we're going to run with that. Yeah. That's going to be his role. Is to be this dickhead that we all just want to go away. <laughs> No, and, and, you know, the little bit I saw of him, that's what I was feeling on you right now was that, that Trevor Murdoch bit. Um, so yeah, somebody's, somebody's handling that right. I don't know who's doing their writing and production right now or their layouts for matches, but somebody is on top of their game. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one good thing I can say about Matt Cardona, Chelsea Green. Yeah, that's what I knew yeah. you were going to go there. Yeah, that's the the one the one good thing I could say. And that somebody, if they had their had their shit together, could probably make their own, uh, you know, Doctor Baker out of her if they wanted to. Oh yeah, no yeah. doubt. Um, all right, so Sean, we are running out of time here. What would you like to? How would you like to summarize and wrap up on the NWA? Uh, you need to tune in and see what they're doing. Uh, you know, it's good stuff, especially if you were an old school type wrestling fan the kind of person who this podcast is in their wheelhouse you're going to enjoy the nwa and what they're doing 
I would agree. I would agree. Well, so again, if somebody wants to find you on social media, is there any place they can find you? I am at Sparks Third Coast on Twitter. All right. And your podcast is called? The NWA Cast. And again, that is found on the Booking the Territory Patreon feed. Excellent. All right, Sean. Yeah, how sad How sad is that that somebody has me behind a paywall? Well, you know, hey, look, you know, it's, <laughs> what they say is like, if you're good at something, don't do it for free, right? Yeah. You know. Um, all right. Well, with all that yeah, said. I make, I, oh. I'm making all these rounds. I'm going to have to ask, ask for a raise from Mike. <laughs> he'll double what he's paying you now, I'm sure. Oh, he'll probably offer to triple it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So, Sean, thank you for joining us. I do appreciate hey, that you come on. Thank you and, for having me. Glad to fill in. Yeah, keep me company for a little bit while we talk about the NWA. Uh, so, everybody out there, for the late Tex Johnson, myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and our fill-in official, semi-official guest host, Sean Sparks. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>